you want victory, you can have it in Christ Jesus. Time once again for Abiding in Christ with Jim Wood. You have to step back, evaluate the various positions in light of Scripture, and then re-engage with a godly perspective. Pastor Wood is the founder of Weirs Valley Ranch, a Christian home and school for kids from crisis family situations. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at wvr.org. And now, without further delay, here's your host, Jim Wood. Please open your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Genesis, chapter 24. We're continuing our study in Genesis. Rather long chapter, but it is all one piece, and we need to hear this message. This is God's Word. Abraham was now old and well advanced in years, and the Lord had blessed him in every way. He said to the chief servant in his household, the one in charge of all that he had, Put your hand under my thigh. I want you to swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I am living, but will go to my country and my own relatives and get a wife for my son Isaac. The servant asked him, What if the woman is unwilling to come back with me to this land? Shall I then take your son back to the country you came from? Make sure that you do not take my son back there, Abraham said. The Lord, the God of heaven, who brought me out of my father's household and my native land, and who spoke to me and promised me on oath, saying to your offspring, I will give this land. He will send his angel before you, so that you can get a wife for my son from there. If the woman is unwilling to come back with you, then you will be released from this oath of mine. Only do not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of his master, Abraham, and swore an oath to him concerning this matter. Then the servant took ten of his master's camels and left, taking with him all kinds of good things from his master. He set out for Aram Nerahim and made his way to the town of Nahor. He had the camels kneel down near the well outside the town. It was toward evening, the time the women go out to draw water. Then he prayed, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, give me success today and show kindness to my master Abraham. See, I'm standing beside this spring, and the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. May it be that when I say to a girl, please, let down your jar that I may have a drink, and she says, drink, and I'll water your camels too. Let her be the one you have chosen for your servant Isaac. By this, I will know that you have shown kindness to to my master. Before he had finished praying, Rebekah came out with her jar on her shoulder. She was the daughter of Bethuel, son of Milcah, who was the wife of Abraham's brother Nahor. The girl was very beautiful, a virgin. No man had ever lain with her. She went down to the spring, filled her jar, and came up again. The servant hurried to meet her and said, Please, give me a little water from your jar. Drink, my lord, she said, and quickly lowered the jar to her hands and gave him a drink. After she had given him a drink, she said, I'll draw water for your camels, too, until they have finished drinking. So he quickly emptied her jar into the trough. She quickly emptied her jar into the trough, ran back to the well to draw more water, and drew enough for all his camels, 
Without saying a word, the man watched her closely to learn whether or not the Lord had made his journey successful. When the camels had finished drinking, the man took out a gold nose ring weighing a becca and two gold bracelets weighing ten shekels. Then he asked, whose daughter are you? Please tell me, is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night? She answered him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son that Milcah bore to Nahor. And she added, we have plenty of straw and fodder as well as room for you to spend the night. Then the man bowed down and worshiped the Lord, saying, praise be to the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not abandoned his kindness and faithfulness to my master. As for me, the Lord has led me on the journey to the house of my master's relatives. The girl ran and told her mother's household about these things. Now Rebekah had a brother named Laban, and he hurried out to the man at the spring. As soon as he had seen the nose ring and the bracelets on his sister's arms and, he, and had heard Rebekah tell what the man said to her, he went out to the man and found him standing by the camels near the spring. Come, you who are blessed by the Lord, he said. Why are you standing out here? I have prepared the house and a place for the camels. So the man went to the house, and the camels were unloaded. Straw and fodder were brought for the camels, and water for him and his men to wash their feet. Then food was set before him, but he said, I will not eat until I've told you what I have to say. Then tell us, Laban said. So he said, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has blessed my master abundantly, and he has become wealthy. He has given him sheep and cattle, silver and gold, men servants and maid servants, and camels and donkeys. My master's wife, Sarah, has borne him a son in her old age, and he has given him everything he owns. And my master made me swear an oath and said, You must not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, in whose land I live. But go to my father's family and to my own clan and get a wife for my son. Then I asked my master, What if the woman will not come back with me? He replied, the Lord before whom I have walked will send his angel with you and make your journey a success so that you can get a wife for my son, for my own clan, and for my father's family. Then when you go to my clan, you will be released from my oath. Even if they refuse to give her to you, you will be released from my oath. When I came to the spring today, I said, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, if you will, please grant success to the journey on which I've come. See, I am standing beside this spring. If a maiden comes out to draw water and I say to her, please let me drink a little water from your jar. And if she says to me, drink and I'll draw water for your camels too. Let her be the one the Lord has chosen for my master's son. Before I finished praying in my heart, Rebecca came out with her jar on her shoulder. She went down to the spring and drew water and I said to her, please give me a drink. She quickly lowered her jar from her shoulder and said, Drink, and I'll water your camels too. So I drank, and she watered the camels also. I asked her, Whose daughter are you? And she said, The daughter of Bethuel, the son of Nahor, whom Milcah bore to him. Then I put the ring in her nose and the bracelets on her arms, and I bowed down and worshipped the Lord. I praised the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who had led me on the right road to get the granddaughter of my master's brother for his son. Now, if you will show kindness and faithfulness to my master, tell me. And if not, tell me, so I may know which way to turn. Laban and Bethuel answered, This is from the Lord. We can say nothing to you one way or another. This is, here is Rebekah. Take her and go, and let her become the wife of your master's son, as the Lord has directed. When Abraham's servant heard what they said, he bowed down to the ground before the Lord. Then the servant brought out gold 
and silver jewelry and articles of clothing and gave them to Rebekah. He also gave costly gifts to her brother and to her mother. Then he and the men who were with him ate and drank and spent the night there. When they got up the next morning, he said, send me on my way to my master. But her brother and her mother replied, let the girl remain with us 10 days or so, then you may go. But he said to them, do not detain me now that the Lord has granted success to my journey. Send me on my way so I may go to my master. Then they said, let's call the girl and ask her about it. So they called Rebekah and asked her, will you go with this man? I will go, she said. So they sent their sister Rebekah on her way, along with her nurse and Abraham's servant and his men. And they blessed Rebekah and said to her, Our sister, may you increase to thousands upon thousands. May your offspring possess the gates of their enemies. Then Rebekah and her maids got ready and mounted their camels and went back with the man. So the, man, so the servant took Rebekah and left. Now Isaac had come from Bir Lahai Roy, for he was living in the Negev. He went out to the field one evening to meditate, and as he looked up, he saw camels approaching. Rebekah also looked up and saw Isaac. She got down from her camel and asked the servant, Who is that man in the field coming to meet us? He is my master, the servant answered. So she took her veil and covered herself. Then the servant told Isaac all he had done. And Isaac brought her into the tent of his mother Sarah, and he married Rebekah. So she became his wife, and he loved her. And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Therefore, my dear brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the Lord's work, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. This is a good word for the staff at Wares Valley Ranch. As we serve children from very difficult situations, we trust in the Lord to supply our needs, especially the essentials. That's where our ranch hands step in. Ranch hands are our monthly donors, and we would be sunk without them. We thank God for those who are helping with the necessities with monthly gifts, regardless of the amount. You can become a ranch hand at wvr.org. Look for the donate button to learn more about how you can help. To step out of my comfort zone Into the realm of the unknown Where Jesus is and is holding Well, this is totally foreign to us. I mean, this is not the way that we go about uh, finding a mate. Uh, Mom has died. Son is 40 years old. Isaac is 40 years old. And Dad wants to be sure that he marries not just the right kind of person, but the right person. You see, Abraham had this antiquated belief that the God who knows how many hairs are on top of our heads actually cares about who we're going to marry. I mean, imagine. There are very well-known, well-respected people for whom I have respect in today's Christian circles, authors, pastors, etc., who warn against the danger of believing that there's somebody out there that God has picked out for you. They say that leads to all kinds of disasters, most commonly 
to the fact that after you marry the person you thought was the one, and then you discover that they're human, you think, oh no, I married the wrong one. And so it undermines the marriage because you're wrestling with, what if this isn't the right one? It also leads to the error of thinking that somehow you're supposed to wait around for a lightning bolt so that you know miraculously that this is the person I'm supposed to marry. And that causes some Christian young people to just be kind of paralyzed and unable to make decisions because, you know, how, how do I know if this is the one? And so they warn, don't make that mistake. Well, I would submit to you that they're making a huge mistake. Theirs is that they're ignoring what Scripture says about the God who governs the universe, the God who has a wonderful plan for your life. They're happy to quote the verse from Jeremiah about what God's going to do for his people 70 years later, but the idea that God would actually care about you as an individual and have a plan for you as an individual that may involve some other individual that he has ordained to bring together? Oh, I just you're trying to make yourself much more important in God's plan than you should. No. You have no idea how precious you are to God. He sent his son to die on the cross for you. Do you think he doesn't care who you marry? God's love for us is beyond comprehension. If you are his child, if you are trusting in him to save you, to forgive your sins and take you to be with him forever, you really ought to be able to trust him with the idea of who you're going to marry, if you're going to marry, when you're going to marry, where you're going to live, and the various things that are going to happen in your life. So, Father Abraham sent a servant to find a wife for his son Isaac. She had to be from among his relatives who worshipped God. And she had to be willing to marry Isaac. Beyond that, there was no physical description given to the servant. And so when he got there, he meets this girl at, at the well because the expectation was that God would guide and provide Verses 7 and 8. Abraham expected that. The servant expected that. And when it happened, her relatives, as well as Rebecca, respected that. Look at the prayer of Abraham's servant, verses 12 through 14. He says, God, when I do this, let her do this. And when I say this, let her say this. And then I'll know that she's the one. And so, I mean, this girl comes to the well and, huh, let's see, it says here about her, the girl was very beautiful. Oh, verse 16, the girl, oh, she was very beautiful. God actually picked out a beautiful girl. Wow! Now some of you are sitting there saying, you mean God would pick me? That's nice. And some of you are sitting there saying, well, I guess I wouldn't be God's pick for anybody. Let me just tell you, 
The beauty was a bonus. It wasn't an essential. It was just an added blessing. But it was still there. And the Bible still describes it. Do we put too much emphasis in our culture on the way people look? Yeah. Does that mean we shouldn't appreciate it when people look nice? No. Do you remember when Samuel was wondering which of David's brothers were the one? Because David wasn't there yet. He had come to anoint the next king. And when he sees Eliab, the oldest brother, he says, wow, that's got to be him. Because the guy was really strikingly good looking. And God says, no, 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 that's not him. Man looks on the outward appearance, God looks on the heart. So don't, don't be deceived by his looks. Yes, he's good looking, but he's not my choice. Well, the next one comes, and the next one, and the next one, and he goes through the whole lineup of Jesse's sons, and God says no to each one. Well, Samuel knows he was sent there by God in order to anoint the next king, and it was supposed to be one of Jesse's sons, and he says, are these all the sons you have? And Jesse says, well, you know, there's the youngest, but he's out taking care of the sheep. And he says, well, we're not going to eat until he comes in here. So they send for David, and David comes in from the field, and he is just pathetic. I mean, he's this shriveled up little guy who just, you know, no good looks. And No! He was good looking also. What is the point, Pastor? The point is, good looks are not a requirement for being used by God. And good looks are not an impediment to being used by God. If we're going to say that we're not supposed to be so focused on the outward appearance, then we got to recognize that what that really means works both ways. It's not that big a deal. Do you know what will happen to your good looks? I've said this in chapel numerous times, and I illustrate it every day. Do you know what will happen to your good looks? They will fade. Gravity will pull everything up here, down here. Okay? I, it just it happens. Just understand. You're going to age. If you live, looks are not going to last. But, praise the Lord, she was good looking. I fell in love with my wife before I saw her. Because I heard her talking about the Lord. And I thought, who is that? And I couldn't see her from where I was seated. And I finally got to where I could see her. And I was very pleased with what I saw. But I was already drawn to her by her testimony. So, this girl was very beautiful. She was morally pure. You say that again? She was morally pure. And she turned out to be not only hardworking, but generous and hospitable. Verses 16 through 25. She didn't just let him have a drink. She said, I'll water your camels. Okay. Let me see what I can compare this to. If somebody pulls up to the gas pump in a Prius, and I say, uh, that thing takes gas too? Yeah, it's a hybrid. It, it's gas and electric. Okay. Um, I'll be happy to pay for your gas, sir. Well, that's generous, isn't it? But if a fleet of SUVs pull up to the pump, 
okay? I mean, a line of SUVs. And I say, how many of them are there? Uh, eight? Okay. I'll pay for all y'all's gas. That's not just generous. That's almost crazy. You understand? Because those SUVs are going to drink gas, aren't they? Right? Camels drink water like SUVs drink gas. They are prized in the desert because they can go long distances without a drink. But therefore, when they get to their destination, they drink and drink and drink and drink and drink and drink. And she's going up and down stairs to get water and bring it up and water the camels, not just giving them some water, but giving them water until the camels are totally satisfied. Wow. What if she had said, um, okay, well, after you've had a drink, if you want to use my jar and get water for your camels, I'll, I'll be glad to wait until you're done watering them. That would have been nice. That would have been generous. But she said, no, I'll water them. Why'd she say that? She may have been wondering that as she was going up and downstairs. Okay? But you see, he had prayed, Lord, if she says this, I'll know she's the one. Why would he know? Because most people are not going to say that. Do you understand? This wasn't like a normal thing. And if she gives the customary greeting, no. This was an extraordinary act of generosity, kindness, hard work, hospitality. That's the kind of person you want to marry. Because I said it before, I'll say it again. Looks fade. But character lasts. You want to get married? Well, pray that God will give you somebody who's got godly character and then be the kind of person that would be attractive to a person of godly character. If the stuff you say makes it clear that you are not seeking to follow the Lord, why do you think that that's going to attract the kind of person that you supposedly are interested in marrying? So, the servant bowed down and said, you are the most beautiful girl I've ever seen. No, he bowed down and worshipped the Lord and recognized this is the one that the Lord has chosen. Verse 14, verse 44. When he goes to the house or to the tent, he shares the story, and again, her relatives recognize this is from the Lord, verses 50 and 51. Rebecca's given a choice, and she's willing, verses 57 and 58. So when she and Isaac are about to meet, camels are approaching, he's out in the field, he's been out there meditating. It's not transcendental meditation, this is meditating on the Lord and his promises. Um, Isaac sees the camels and he starts walking toward them. And uh, she sees a man walking and says, who is that? And the servant says, that's my master. And so she says, oh. Right? No. She put a veil over her face. Why would she do that? Well, because she was ashamed of her looks. No, she was beautiful. 
So why wasn't she trying to show as much as she could? This is the guy I'm going to marry. I want him to be attracted to my beauty. <laughs> because that's not the mindset of a godly person. They were married. And he loved her. Now, was their marriage perfect? No. We'll learn more about that in the chapters to come. But I'll tell you this. There is no doubt, even when things were tough in their marriage, there is no doubt from God's word that they were married to the one God intended for them. You've been listening to Abiding in Christ. If you have questions that you'd like for us to tackle on the program or comments that you want to make, I want to invite our listeners to call 866-41-ABIDE. That's our toll-free number, 866-41-ABIDE. Or contact us on the web at wvr.org.